Today's scripture meeting, reading is uh, a rendition of what Mark, part of what Mark already read, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 18, and can be found on page 481 of your Pew Bible. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judah, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what he was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. May God bless the reading of his word. This Apple ad, or rendition of Stevie Wonder's classic Christmas song, captures something of the dissonance of Christmas. Now, By the dissonance of Christmas, I don't mean what happens when you have all your relatives come over and people drink too much eggnog and start singing along with the song. I don't mean the musical dissonance, but some cognitive dissonance that's associated with Christmas. And in fact, you could say that this this ad actually captures three levels of cognitive dissonance, only one of which, well, it captures two levels and there's a third level I think it misses. And that we're going to reflect on today. But think about the ad and the the dissonance of it all. Set in a warm, cozy family setting with soft lighting and 
people hugging children and dogs licking kids' faces and the warmth of home and fond connection. And the dissonance that that forms with the song about bombs and war and slavery and hunger. You know, the lyrics of this song are pretty strong. Someday at Christmas there'll be no wars when we have learned what Christmas is for, when we found what life's really worth, there'll be peace on earth. Someday all our dreams will come to be. Someday in a world where men are free. Maybe not in time for you or me, but someday at Christmas time. Someday at Christmas we'll see a land with no hungry children, no empty hands. One happy morning, people will share a world where people care. Someday at Christmas there'll be no tears and all men are equal and no man has fears. One shining moment, one prayer away from our world today. Someday at Christmas, hate will be gone and love will prevail. Someday all our dreams will come to be. Someday in a world where men are free. Maybe not in time for you or me, but someday at Christmas time. So it's, it's odd that, that the apple chose to make this warm, cozy home setting with the backdrop of this song. They're, you know, they're obviously trying to play on a dissonance. Well, they're trying to play on two things, the warm feeling of Christmas and then the recent feelings we've had of terrorist attacks, as Terry prayed. You know, there's obviously another level of dissonance, the most obvious level of dissonance in this that Apple's not trying to highlight is the fact that it's consumer electronics that they're promoting while they're singing about war and bombing and, and inequality and injustice. So there's always that level of dissonance that we're familiar with, that the Christmas is supposed to be about Jesus, and it's now it's become about all these stuff that, as Terry prayed, we're all going to get soon. Unless you're in my family. <laughs> we don't give gifts anymore. <laughs> anyway, but for the rest of you lucky ones, it's going to be a lot of stuff. Now, that level of dissonance we're used to. Uh, but then this other level of dissonance with the home and the, and the war. You know, that's a very odd ad. I, I think they're hoping to capture the feeling without you thinking too deeply about the words. I, I don't know. Or maybe they're trying to shape a, the culture. But there's a third level of dissonance, which I, I think neither Apple nor Stevie Wonder picked up on, that we want to reflect about this morning. Notice that phrase, that, that, that verse in the song. Someday at Christmas, there'll be no wars. When, when we've learned what Christmas is for, when we found what life's really worth, there'll be peace on earth. Someday at Christmas, there'll be no wars when we've learned what Christmas is for. You know, the, the meaning of Christmas in this song is that, you know, Christmas is antithetical to war. That, that war has no place where Christmas resides. Someday the real meaning of Christmas will come true and it'll be a time of peace, they say, and, and freedom, they sing, and prosperity and equality. And these are all wonderful things and great instincts. And God cares deeply about them. But it's odd, if you think about it, it's odd that we link them with Christmas. P 
peace and freedom and prosperity and equality. That odd that we would link these with Christmas. Now, now it's not, not just a mistake that our pop culture makes. But if you think about a lot of the Christmas carols we sing, none that we sang today, but if you think about a lot of the Christmas carols we sing, they also are dissonant. Uh, you know that we got this sweet baby Jesus Christmas theme, Christmas theme going on. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the bright sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep in the pastoral setting, asleep in the hay, in the tranquility of a farm. The cattle are lowing. The baby awakes, but this is a miraculous baby because the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Don't you wish you had a baby like that? Oh, oh we have the sweet baby Jesus, and then we have the tranquil Bethlehem. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy, infinite, tender, and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. The sweet baby Jesus in the tranquil Bethlehem. But that's not exactly the world we live in or the world we've suffered through the last few months. Silent night, holy night was written by an Austrian priest in the early 1800s. All is calm. All is bright. And the whole world knows what an Austrian maniac did in setting Europe ablaze only a hundred years later. All world is not calm and not always bright. Or, you know, what does Christmas say to the kind of world that we live in? Not the kind of world that we sing about, but the kind of world we live in, where disaffected Belgian immigrants blow up public spaces in Paris. What does Christmas say in a world where fanatics murder co-workers at a Christmas party of all times? Where racial minorities die in police custody, and it's not clear that anyone will be held responsible. Uh, what does Christmas say in a country where one-third the population flees civil war and takes to small craft across the Mediterranean Sea and invades Europe in the hopes of finding refuge? You know, Christmas speaks to us in our prosperity and our safety in a place like this. But what does Christmas say in a tougher world? What does the, the sweet baby Jesus in a tranquil Bethlehem have to say in the real kind of world we live in? It fits our lives, but it doesn't fit our world. And this is the, the real fundamental first dissonance of Christmas, is that the Christmas that we've caralized doesn't really fit a big part of our world. Now, there's a second dissonance. Of, there's a second dissonance about Christmas. Is that this sweet baby Jesus in a tranquil Bethlehem doesn't really fit the biblical record either. 
You know, Stevie Wonder has good instincts. God does not intend our world to be characterized by bombs and war and oppression and hunger. That's not what God intends for us or our world. But you realize that's pretty much what the original Christmas was like. Modern, the technological advances, which enables us to kill more people faster. The original Christmas was pretty violent. You know, the Christmas we celebrate is a children's holiday, but that's a cultural Christmas. It's not a biblical Christmas. The Christmas that's for cute little kids in warm, safe homes. The biblical Christmas was not suitable for children to watch on TV. It was a violent time, a killing of babies. And yet, with all its violence, with all its nastiness, it brings a deeper, more robust hope than the Christmas of many of our Christmas carols or the Christmas of our pop culture. This is the Christmas of our culture and our carols. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above your deep and dreamless sleep, the, the silent stars go by. The original Bethlehem was a season of maniacal violence. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, as we've read, when Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, probably a couple of dozen babies, all who were two years old and under, babies and toddlers, in accordance with the time he'd learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping, great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is the sort of Christmas that the Bible presents to us. Is Christmas more suitable to ISIS or Boko Haram or the Lord's resistance army than suitable to our safe, prosperous lives here? And yet, you know, we need to... We need to feel this Christmas because that's the original Christmas. And yet, the Bible doesn't leave us there. Because the more deeply we feel that, the more deeply we can grasp the hope and the courage and the confidence that the Bible gives us. Because in the midst of all of that suffering, what does Matthew chapter 1 say? An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said to him, Mary will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Do you see the message of this? In the midst of the violence and depravity of our world, God steps into this. God doesn't actually step into this. God sends his infant son to step into it. 
not as a warrior, but as an at-risk baby in a violent setting where the local ruler is going to try and kill him. No matter how dark and dismal our world gets, and we have life pretty easy here, but, but not always. Sometimes we create suffering and sometimes we face discouragement. And no matter how dark and dismal our own lives get, this is the word of God for Christmas. Not that our lives will be idyllic and our kids will be happy and our homes will be large and warm and well appointed. But that whatever our lives look like and whatever our world looks like, even if all we're doing is going to celebrate a party with co-workers and some madmen come with guns and kill people, no matter what our world looks like or what our lives look like, this is the message of Christmas. Mary will give birth to a son. And you're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. This is the message of Christmas. That God is with us. Not in a safe, protective cocoon. But he's with us in our world. At its grittiest. Uh, not as a king, but as a helpless baby. At risk, Jesus comes to offer salvation. And no one gathered around that manger knew this. But God knew it when he sent Jesus. And Jesus knew it when he came to come when he agreed to come. And, and this is not just the message of, of Matthew, it's also the message of Luke, remember? In the temple. Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus as they brought to dedicate him to God. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the rising and the falling of many in Israel. He's destined to be a sign that will be opposed and spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then Simeon turns to Mary and says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon had some vague impression of what was going to happen. And yet, in the midst of that warning and doom, Simeon says to God in worship, Sovereign Lord, You've done for me as you promised. You may now take me to heaven. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The hope of God comes to our world because we are a world that desperately needs hope. The hope of Christ comes into our lives because sometimes, even in our prosperity and even in our comfort and even in our loving families, sometimes we are people that need hope. And the promise of Christmas 
is that the hope of Christ, that the hope of God is robust enough to face anything that we'll face and to carry us through it. Joseph Bailey, a prominent Christian of a previous generation, writes this about on Christmas Eve. He calls it a psalm for Christmas Eve. I will not sing of shepherds watching flocks on frosty night or angel choristers. I will not sing of stable bear in Bethlehem or lowing oxen, wise men trailing distant star with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Tonight, I will sing praise to the Father who stood on heaven's threshold and said farewell to his son as he stepped across the stars to Bethlehem and Jerusalem. I will sing praise to the infinite eternal son who became most finite, a baby, and who one day would be executed for the crimes of those whom he came to save. This is the God of whom I sing. Praise him in the heavens. Praise him in the stable. Praise him in my heart. What the biblical Christmas brings to us is not just a time to celebrate warm lives, family, to celebrate the love and to celebrate just being together and to celebrate the food and the prosperity we enjoy. What the biblical Christmas brings to us is not just a promise for cozy homes and loving families and peaceful settings, surrounded by gifts, a sweet holiday for kids. What Christmas brings to us is hope to the streets where the homeless live, hope to the battlefields where soldiers die, hope to a race of people that's rebellious and sinful. What the Bible brings to us is a robust Christmas, strong enough, for a gritty life. That what the Bible brings to us is a resolute God who sent his son, knowing what was happening, in order to save us. What the Bible brings to us is a Christ, resolute, turning his face, not just to Bethlehem, but also to Jerusalem, born to die. What the Bible brings to us is a determined holiday for a world in violent convulsions. A Christmas which offers the love of God to a world of bombs and IEDs, violence and war, drones and the targeting of non-combatants, where slaves mine diamonds and field and farm fields to a world of hungry children and, and ethnic cleansing, while, the, while our world, and sometimes our songs, turn Jesus into a, a sweet baby and Christmas into a homey holiday. The biblical Christmas gives us a foundation for confident living in the face of adversarial circumstances. You know, and some of our Christmas hymns have realized this. A little while ago, we sang the first and last verse from It Came Upon the Midnight Clear. The worship leader pointed out to me the middle verses of that song. 
Edmund Sears was a pastor in Wayland, Massachusetts in the 1800s. And he'd had a nervous breakdown, so he had his own personal issues. And then he lived in a world at war. The Mexican-American War was just over. Europe was still involved in a hugely long and destructive war. And in the midst of that personal struggle, and in the midst of that world war, Edmund Sears wrote these words. And it sounds like, at first, it sounds like a sweet baby Jesus in a tranquil Bethlehem song. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men, from heaven's all-gracious king. And then he turns to the struggles of his world. Still through the cloven skies, the angels come. The angels still come with the same word, with peaceful wings unfurled, and still their heavenly music floats over all the weary world. Above its sad and lowly plains, these angels bend on hovering wing, and ever o'er its babel sounds, the blessed angels still sing. And he turns to sin, and he turns to war, and he, and he continues. With the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angels have rolled 2,000 years of wrong. And man at war with man, here is not the love song which angels bring. Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife. Hear the angels sing. And then he turns to his own history of emotional turmoil. And ye, and, be, and people like him, and you beneath life's crushing load, your forms are bending low. You toil among the climbing way with, with painful steps and slow. Look now. For glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. Oh, rest beside the weary road. Hear the angels sing. This is the hope of some of our more robust Christmas carols. And it's our hope, the hope that the Bible gives us, that Jesus is more than just a sweet baby. And Christmas is more than just a warm family holiday. This is a, a, a song with a, that, and a Bible text which sees a grittier world than most Christmas carols have us believe. But, but it's the world in which we live. But far more important than that, this is the world into which God stepped. When he had a choice of all the worlds and all the homes, this is the world and the home into which he sent his son. Not as a sweet baby Jesus in tranquil Bethlehem, but as Emmanuel, God with us, who escaped death at his birth and gave his life for our salvation. Let's pray together. Father, we celebrate the great fun, the, the excitement, the, the love, the prosperity we share as families at Christmas. At the same time, we celebrate your deep, emphatic, robust, resilient love that came to us through Jesus.
at the original Christmas. We honor you both for the peace and for the resilience. In Jesus' name, amen.